Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. You know, one of the, the common phrases from this psalm that, that's stapled to our culture, and you've probably heard it before if you've ever been to a funeral, is that line that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How many know that that scripture is not really talking about death? It's talking about the shadow of death. And I don't know about you, but I've been through seasons. I shared uh, one of those seasons uh, last week where I felt like I was going through what appeared to be a death. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like I am dying inside. Have you ever felt that way? Like you're going through something, the struggle's real, it's very difficult. We have rap songs that talk about it, right? Even though I walk or something like that, I don't even know. I don't want to want to bring out Jay Breezy or anything like that, but but uh, you know how uh, how that rolls that, that many times in life we go through those seasons and we use that, right? We That's part of our vernacular. I'm going through a valley of the shadow of death. It's a very difficult thing. And a lot of times when we say that, we think that it's kind of an illustration of something. But actually, when David was writing this, he was talking about an actual place in the Jordan Valley that went between, uh, that was between Jericho and Jerusalem. It was a pathway that you had to go through, and it was called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. In fact, I've even provided a picture for you so you can see it. Now, here it is. Here's a picture of the valley of the shadow of death. Now, it looks pretty pretty today. Pretty pretty. It looks pretty pretty today because there's a monastery there. How many know that, that, that there needed to be an establishment of God's presence there in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death to remind us that, hey, you're never alone. You're never too far from God. So this is it modern day. But back in the day, you can imagine before civilization that this is a place where there were, you know, cliffs and big rocks and boulders and caves. And what would happen is predators, like wild animals, would hang out there. But also you would have like thieves and robbers. They would hang out in this area. And because it was, you know, kind of sketch and you're kind of going through the hood, right? When you go through there, they would actually jump out of some of these areas and they would try to steal sheep. Or they would try to steal the possessions of those that were going through this valley. And it was very dangerous for sheep if they didn't have a good shepherd. Come on, a shepherd that could defend them through that valley, through that dark place, through that scary place, or if they didn't have a shepherd that could defend them or lead them through properly. And so David is saying, listen, we go through the valley of the shadow of death. We go through difficulties. We go through uh, seasons. We go through times that are dark and difficult and uncertain. And then he says this, listen, he says, although I go through, how many know that it's somewhere we're going through. The God isn't calling you to the valley of the shadow of death. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not going to there. Say, you're going through there. So you're going through it. How many know we go through difficulty, we don't go to difficulty? And God is bringing you through difficulty because he wants to bring you from glory to glory. And go from glory to glory, there's this space in the middle called transition. Uh, how many of you have ever adapted to a new job? or you move to another city, or you go through a new season of life. And man, it's very difficult. It's very sketch. It's like going through the valley of the shadow of death. And in fact, when you're in those times, you are the most vulnerable. You're most vulnerable to attack. You're most vulnerable to loss. Come on, it's a very difficult season. So it's important that when we go through those seasons that we recognize, I will not fear. And many times we don't, right? We fear 
We doubt. We have unbelief. But David says this. He says, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Why? Why won't he fear evil? Because you are with me. So you don't have to be afraid through those difficult seasons, through those dark seasons, because the good shepherd is with you. He's with you, and he's, he's not going anywhere. You might go somewhere, but he's not going there. He has promised to never leave you or forsake you. So he's going to be there through you, through thick and thin, through the most difficult times. But that's not where David stops in this psalm. He doesn't just say, we're good, it's all good, because he's with me. No, no, no. He says this. He says, you're with me, and your rod, come on, and your staff, they comfort me. So I believe that when he says, you're with me, he's saying, we have presence. We have the presence of God that leads us through life, but then we also have some tools. So we're going to talk about those two tools today. We're going to break it down for you. Break it down. You're right. The rod and the staff. Now these are two instruments, not just one instrument. Some people have said, "Well, this is this is the same thing." It's a. Some people call it a rod. Some people call it a staff. And I'm, I'm going to show to you show you today that that is actually not the case. And listen, because we know that we're being led. We can have confident safety because these two things, listen, these two things speak of God's leadership and God's protection in our life. So as we go through that dark place, it's not just that he's with us, but we are are confident, we, we live with confident safety under the protection and the leadership of the good shepherd. Let me say that again. Because he is with us, we can find confident safety under the protection and leadership of the good shepherd. So it's awesome that he's there with me. Sweet. That makes it so much better. But he's not just there with me. He's actually given me tools. He's walking with me with tools in his hands to help guide me and to help protect me. Right? So he's not just present. He's also given, he also has tools in his hands. And the first tool is the rod. Everybody say rod. Now, the rod speaks of authority. Say authority. Authority. Now, as believers, God has given us a rod. Right? Most of you, it's sitting in your cell phone. Some of you, it's sitting on a shelf at home. It's full of dust. It's called a Bible. Everybody say a Bible. So we have the Word of God. And the Word of God, listen, when we say the Word of God, we believe that all, all words that we get outside of the Word must be measured by the Word. We believe the, the Word of God, the written Word of God is the final authority. However, God also gives us, He also speaks to our heart. Come on, how many, how many of you ever, God has spoken to you something, and you're like, man, you, you know that you're good. You know you have some authority because God has spoken. And in fact, if, if God speaks on something, we know that that carries more authority than what my situation says. That's why you have little memory verses, right, that you go and you bought a, a little plaque or something at Hobby Lobby, and you put it on your wall. Why? Because you know that the Word has authority, right? That it carries something with that Word. So it's important that we have the Word of God. Now, the Word, or the rod, rather, the rod was usually crafted by the shepherd. So the shepherd would be out, and one of the first things that he would do when he was hired on is he would find a piece of good, like, thick log or something, and he would begin to carve that out and whittle it so it would fit in his hand. And usually it'd have a knot kind of at the end, and he'd carve it. And the rod didn't really look like what we would think a rod, like a, you know, like just a thin rod. It was like a, more like a club. And he would carry that club around, and that club was used as a defense mechanism for his sheep. He would use that to fight off enemies, and it stood for a symbol of strength, power, and authority. But check this out. The word for rod there is the word shabit. And the word shabit, that's a Hebrew word. You don't have to know how to pronounce it. It was really hard for me, too. I practiced it like 400 times, and that's not a hard one. Shabit. So they had the shabit, and that word 
For rod is the same word that they use in the Hebrew language for scepter. So the rod in the shepherd's hand was his scepter. It was a symbol of authority. He was saying, you know what? I am in charge of these sheep. And any, anybody that comes in and tries to damage me or damage my sheep is going to get the rod. They're going to get the scepter. I am the ruler here. I carry the authority. And this, this rod was used for several things. The first thing it was used for, it was used for examination and identification. Say examination and identification. And so what they would use this rod for, um, you know, it was multi-purpose. It was a tool. Come on. And so what would happen is you guys remember we talked about the, the gate several weeks ago. We talked about the sheep pen and Jesus stands. He is the gate that he stands there. And so what would happen is the shepherd would stand at that gateway, that opening to the pen, and as they began to come in, as the sheep began to come in, he would, he would kind of set that rod down horizontally. And as they passed under that rod, they were able to, it was able to peel back some of the, the, the wool on their back, and they were able to check for parasites. They were able to inspect the sheep to see if the sheep was marked, that it was his sheep, because sometimes a, a sheep from another flock could come in or, or sometimes something even a little bit more dangerous. So it was a way that they would examine the sheep. Check this out in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 37. It says, I will take note of you as you pass under my rod. So it's for identification. Hey, look at this. This this one's my sheep. This one's my sheep. I'm looking. I can see. You've been marked. You're my sheep. You're my sheep. And as I pass under rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. I will bring you in to the new covenant. I will bring you in to relationship. I will bring you into all that, is, that belongs to you. And so they would count these sheep as they passed under, and they would examine the sheep for parasites and skin conditions. So it's for, for examination and identification. But it's also, get this, it was also examining the sheep to make sure that it belonged to that shepherd. Because sometimes, and we see in New Testament language, there would be wolves that would try to get into the pen that dress like sheep. So that rod... Was an, is an examination to say, let's see if they belong or not. It's, it's, it's imperative that we take the word of God. That's why when someone comes and they say, I'm a man of God, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower, does it measure up to the word? What does the word say? Let's examine them, right? And so we, want, we don't want to be uh, super skeptical of people, and we don't want to have a judgmental spirit. However, if something comes along and you, you get a check in your spirit, and you're like, hmm, I'm not sure about that. Let's see what the word says. Right? Because the word carries the authority. And so it says, Matthew chapter 7, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. Everybody say fruit. Now, some people want to take something because they saw somebody posted something on Facebook or they said something and they dissected their message. No, no, no. It says their fruit. There's more than more to our lives than just our words. Words are part of our fruitfulness, but by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. So there's many people that go around and they're like, I'm a Christian, 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 but you can't identify them by their fruit. The only thing that's Christian about them is that they say that they're a Christian. Maybe they got it on their Facebook profile. Mm. I got it on my face. I got a Christian t-shirt. I went to Overflow Church. I'm a Christian. That does not make you a Christian. The way that you act is what determines whether or not you're legit or not. Oh, according to the Bible. I didn't say it. 
Jesus said it, and he has more authority than me. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree, tree, good tree, good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Sounds pretty clear. Thanks, Jesus. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can also identify people by their actions. Now, obviously, Jesus is specifically speaking about those who come in and try to deceive and try to cover up, but their lives don't produce. And so the Word of God is how we examine, how we are examined and identified as the beloved of God. Number two is the rod was used for correction. Say correction. Now, we don't like this. We, we love to say, spare the rod, spoil the child, which is true. That's absolutely correct. Um, the rod is used for correction, but that is not its primary purpose. Understand this. The rod can be used for correction, but the rod is not whittled for that purpose and intent. It can be used for that, but that is not its primary purpose. In fact, the only time that a shepherd would use the rod against a sheep, because what would happen is if he used that rod all the time, the sheep would be scared of him whenever they passed under, right? If they're getting beat all the time, then whenever it came down to pass under, would they not, are they not feeble-minded enough to be afraid? Some of you think he's going to beat you all the time. That's why you don't want to pass under, because someone told you the, the rod was for the purpose of correcting, and it serves that purpose at times, but really, the only time that God uses his rod to correct his sheep is when his sheep are acting like enemies. When sheep are harming other sheep, when sheep are biting other sheep, then he will use his rod to correct. Y'all okay? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 8. If God doesn't discipline you, as he does all of his children, because we need discipline. How many need correction in your life? I do. We don't like correction. I don't like correction. How many of you have ever gotten a, a little spiff with your spouse or a parent or somebody because they corrected you, even when you were wrong? Yesterday. No discipline. Or here, if God doesn't discipline you, as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and not really his children at all. Illegitimate. When was the last time God corrected you? I don't think God's ever corrected me. Well, maybe you need to get before the Lord and ask him to examine you and ask him to correct you. Because you want correction because you want to produce. Who wants to produce? I want to produce. The many times to produce, we need to be corrected. Now, I'm going to help break down some mindsets for you. Give me just a second. Verse 11 says this, no discipline is enjoyable when it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living. I want to live right. I'm not always living right. So I need to allow the Lord to correct me by his word so that I live right. For those who are trained in his way. Let me say this about correction. Correction is never motivated by God's anger. Correction is always God's daddy heart doing that exact same, the exact same that, word that we're using, correct. God is not refusing you when he's correcting you. He's actually inviting you. He's inviting you to a better life. He's inviting you to better choices. So he's not rebuking you. He's not sending you away. He's not sending you 
He's not sending you to your room. Listen, he's inviting you to deeper relationship. It's always motivated by his daddy heart. Listen, when correction is motivated by anger, we call that wrath. And last time I checked, Jesus took all the wrath. God isn't punishing you, per se. Jesus was already punished. You say, God's punishing me because I made bad choices. No, 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 no. Get this straight. Jesus was already punished for your bad choices. So would you accept that as correction and say, yes, Lord, I'm grateful that Jesus was punished for me. So I'm going to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. You see the gratitude and the response that puts in your heart. So God doesn't discipline us uh, for, for quote-unquote punishment or quote-unquote judgment. No, no, no. He's doing it to correct us so that we can experience all that he's promised us. You okay? So the rod was used for examination and identification. Number two, correction. But the third reason and the, the primary purpose of the rod is for protection. It's to protect. So the reason why he had that tool in his tool bag was, was mostly to defend the sheep. So when they're going through that valley or they're in the pen at night and some lion or some bear or some guy comes in to try to steal the sheep, they have this club that's been whittled out and they will beat that sucker down. Say, get away from my sheep. Get away from me. Get out of here. And with this, with this, they could actually throw it with great accuracy. They could strike forcefully. Check this out in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now, this is right before David goes to fight Goliath. And we've talked a little bit about David in this series. And we all know the story of David and Goliath. And what I want to do is I want to talk about before Goliath, right? What happened before that? What happened before he faced, because that could have been, right, a valley of the shadow of death, Goliath. But as, as we look, David wasn't even scared of Goliath. If you read the story, it wasn't like he was like, well, I'm just little David going to fight. No, no, no. He wasn't like that at all. He was like, bring it on. And this, look at the courage he has. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Speaking of Goliath. Listen, as a community, as people that love Jesus together, that worship Jesus together, God wants to win victories in your life, not just for you, but for your brothers and sisters. And so when David says this, he says, let no man's heart fail. Listen, I want to win battles in my life so that you can look at it and your heart won't have to fail. That you won't have to be discouraged because you see the enemy. Oh, the enemy's coming and he's attacking, he's attacking, he's attacking. No, no, no. You say, you know what? I'm going to cut the head off that sucker and he ain't going to mess with anybody in my house. Let no man's heart fail him. So God wants to have such a victory in your life that it raises up courage in others. Your servant will go out and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're only a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, that's the Josh Brown translation. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it. (laughs) So crazy. What are you thinking? He would take a lamb out of the flock, and I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from his mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. I mean, this is crazy. This is David, like this young man. He's shepherding sheep. And here comes a lion and grabs a lamb, a baby lamb, and takes off. And David's like, sucker. 
And he takes off running out to the line. I mean, I'm looking at, if you're watching that documentary, you're like, that's a bad idea. Especially if you don't have a gun. I mean, he had like a slingshot, you know, for Arsenal attack, but he had this stab. He's like, forget it, I'm going. So David catches up, which I don't know where he gets his speed, grabs this lion by the beard and beats him over the head with his rod. Clubs him to death. So he says, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them. Seeing his, his, he has defied the armies of the living God, moreover, David said, the Lord, it's the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. How many of you know that God used David to deliver David? God will use you to deliver you. Mm. Some of y'all waiting for deliverance. He wants to use you to bring it. That'll preach all day. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. So, beloved, we are comforted in the fact that not just that God is all-powerful, that he's with us, but also that we share enemies. Did you know that you share enemies with God? You share, depression is an enemy of God. Disease is an enemy of God. They stand no chance, but they are God's enemies. Discouragement is an enemy of God. Come on, hate is an enemy of God. Racism is an enemy of God. These are enemies of God. God hates those things. So we can take great confidence that our God, who is much mightier than David, David was great, a great warrior. We love David. He's great, great. But let me tell you, a thousand years later, a guy that was born in the same town that David was born in, in the city of Bethlehem, the city of David, a man came, and he also had enemies. He was much greater and much stronger and more capable than David was. And he wasn't just a shepherd that was able to destroy the lion and the bear and the giant. He was able to destroy anything the world or the forces of hell threw at him. And he defeated it all. And he also used a wooden instrument to do it. When he stood upon that cross, when he was nailed to that cross, and he said, it is finished. All the enemies are defeated. So allow him to protect you, to be your defender, because he has already won the war. So we see that he has the rod. The second tool, instrument that we find comfort in, that the shepherd has, is that staff. I got a shepherd's staff. Bought it on Amazon, of course. Now typically when a staff was crafted, it wasn't crafted by the shepherd, it was crafted by a professional, someone who was better than the shepherd. And they had people that would build these things out of one solid piece of wood. It was usually a little taller than the shepherd, had a, had a crook on it, much bigger than this crook, to be able to catch and hold sheep. And it was fashioned for the shepherd. He would probably go in and get fitted because it needed to be taller. This would probably fit David as a young shepherd boy. It didn't fit me too well. Probably fit me, David. Nathan? No, probably not. And so it would stand a little bit above the shepherd, and it was, it was crafted for him. And there's several things that, that the staff provides. But, the, but the, the, the staff really speaks of the shepherd's leadership. Everybody say leadership. 
Now, how many know some people have authority, we talked about authority, with no leadership? You've met them, right? You've had a boss that was like that before. They had all the authority, but they didn't really have any leadership. They get stuff done, but they only got it done because they were authoritative, not because they were a leader. And then there's also people that are really good leaders, but they don't have any authority. So it's good when those two things come together. And with God, he has the authority, but he also has the leadership. He has what we might call the power of persuasion, right? And we know, if if you look throughout the scripture, and we've shared on this a little bit, that throughout scripture, we see that that shepherding model is God's primary model for leadership. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, all shepherds at one point in their life. Jesus, what is, what is he referred to as? The good shepherd. Paul said, I am the shepherd of God's people. All these people throughout scripture, even some of the prophets were shepherds. They were all shepherds at one point in their life. But David never, ever stopped shepherding. This is what made him a great king. He never forgot those days, spending time, all that time with those sheep. He never put the staff down. Check this out. Before he goes to meet Goliath, this is what happens. We are talked a little bit about this story. It says this in, in, in chapter 17, verse 40. It says, David picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd bag. And we know what that's for, right? And then it says that he armed only with his shepherd staff and a sling. Now, the sling would, at this point, kind of became his, his rod to smash Goliath. But we see that he also took, we don't see that in the little pictures, right? In the stories, you, don't see, you see David, he's like, oh, I'm so scared, on his little rocks. But it says right here that David actually still had that staff in his hand when he went out to fight Goliath. I believe he is saying, you know what? Here I am. I got the authority, but also got the leadership. And I want to inspire these people. Let no man's heart fail because of you. Here I am. I'm going to lead God's people by example with power and authority, but I'm not putting down my staff. David never forgot, even in the midst of potential death. So the staff, what does the staff provide? The staff provides several things. First of all, the staff provides visibility. As I mentioned earlier, many times that that staff was an extension. An extension, which would mean it makes me a little taller. So if the shepherd was a little shorter, like a teenage boy who was behind a bush and a sheep couldn't see him, he might not be able to see that shepherd boy, but he'd be able to look around and see that that staff was there sticking up. If he was at a distance, he could see that staff sticking up. It made him recognizable. It made him visible. Beloved, when we're talking about the leadership of God in our life, what we're talking about is the leadership of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit makes Jesus visible to us. The Holy Spirit is what emphasizes Jesus. Are you with me? He emphasizes Jesus to us. So um, this would make a shepherd recognizable. And the Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit always speaks of Jesus. So let me just be real practical. If you think, I think God's telling me that. I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to me this. Look at Jesus. Does it look like Jesus? Oh, no, it doesn't really look like Jesus. It's not Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit's telling me to do this. The Holy Spirit's telling me to be mean and tell that person they don't deserve that. Does that sound like Jesus? No, that's not the Holy Spirit. Right? Check this out. The counselor, John 14, 26, the counselor... The Holy Spirit, the counselor, the paraclete, not to be confused with parakletos, it's parakletos, that's a, one of those is bird, the other one's another kind of bird. The, the counselor, 
The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you. Everybody say, teach me. So he's with me, and then he teaches me all things. Come on. Man, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm at work, and I'm trying to work hard. I don't know. Ask the Holy Spirit. He will teach you all things. I'm not good at that. Have you asked the Holy Spirit? No, I'm not good at that. Have you asked the Holy Spirit? He's good at it. I guarantee you he's good at it. He'll teach you all things. And he will remind you of everything I've said to you. So the Holy Spirit always reminds us of Jesus, always speaks what Jesus spoke. That word remind, I got a coffee cup right here. Somebody's drinking coffee out of there. Glory to God. Yesterday, I think, was National Coffee Day. Every day is National Coffee Day at the Brown House, let's just say. This is a coffee cup. If you look inside that coffee cup, you can see that it's had coffee in it before, right? It's got a residue in there, right? In fact, if I turn this over, probably a little bit would drip out. But some of it's kind of dried up in there, and you can see it, right? Some of you can see that. That word, oh, can you all see it? <laughs> that word where it says he will remind you is the word residue. So the Holy Spirit, that's why sometimes when you're talking to somebody, you're ministering to somebody, you didn't even know you are ministering to somebody, and they showed up at your door, and you're like, next thing you know, you're in a ministry session. We had that happen to us a couple weeks ago. We are on a retreat with some people. We ended up being in a ministry session for about two hours, and the Lord was just giving us all this, like, information, all these scriptures we didn't even know we knew. Has that ever happened to you? You're like, oh, I knew that scripture. I didn't know I knew that scripture. You know what that is? That's residue. I'm reminding you. Remember when Jesus said that? You're like, you're like, all of a sudden you're like kind of preaching up in there and you're like, yeah, that's pretty good. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit reminding you, reminding you the things that God has said. And so allow him to bring the visibility of Jesus to all that you're doing in your life. Just reminding you of Jesus, reminding you of the cross, reminding you of the affections of the Father, reminding you of Jesus. The staff provides the visibility. The second thing the staff does is it provides drawing. Now, if you look at this staff, it, it, it can serve a lot of purposes. Even in our modern day, it can be a good back scratcher. Right, right, right. If Nathan's over here on his cell phone too much, I can reach over here and grab his arm and be like, what are you, what are you doing over here? You know, or, you know, somebody's like getting a little fresh with the lady there sitting next to you. I can kind of pull him, pull him away from that and kind of deal with that out of here. And so there's a lot of purposes that staff could be used for, right? But one of the purposes is because of that hook at the end, it could be used as drawing. Like I noticed that these chairs over here were just a little off, and that kind of drives me crazy. So if I didn't want to have to walk all the way over there, like in the middle of the night, walk all the way over there and get my cell phone, I could just, you know, reach that out. However, with a shepherd, if a sheep was out of reach or he was just relaxing, he was chilling, and he would just he would see that sheep kind of getting away, he could just reach over there with that staff and grab him by the leg or grab him by the neck and just kind of pull him in, just kind of pull him in, and he could bring that sheep in, and he could love on them or he could clean them from any of those bugs that we've talked about before, right? Or if there was, a, there was some nursing lambs to their mama, and they were getting away, and he was kind of trying to help them with the process, kind of reaching over there and grabbing sheep. Man, that served as a great tool to draw the sheep in. And many times a shepherd would do that. He would just see one of his sheep. And sometimes it was to examine them. 
Sometimes I check them out, make sure there's no bugs in them. Sometimes I think, I think he just kind of draws us in just to love on us. In fact, that was happening during worship today. Today, you just felt the Holy Spirit moving in your heart. He was, you know what he's doing? Some of you, you're like in worship, and you're like getting like all convicted. You're like, oh, oh, my gosh, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just examining you. He's just showing you little things that you could tweak in your life. Some of you, he's just pulling in, and he's going, I love you. I just want to love on you today. And he does that. He does that with his staff. He just draws us in. In fact, that word. Check it out. John chapter 6, verse 44. Jesus says this. No one can come to the Father unless, uh, unless, unless, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That word, draw, that same word is the word when the disciples cast their net on the other side of the boat and drew or drug that net in full of fish. It's the same word. So that word, draw, can also mean drag. But beloved, it is only a drag if we resist. It is only a drag, and it is a drag if we resist. But we just respond to his drawing. We respond to his drawing. Number three, the third, the third point, the third purpose of the staff is for guiding. And so many times that the sheep were coming down a a valley or a ravine, the shepherd would just stick that staff in the ground and say, you come around on this side right here. Don't go over here. You shall not pass. You're going that way, right? Oh, not over here. You're going right over there. It's, it's just for God. Oh, oh let's, let's get you over here. Let's get you. All right. Get on through there. Get on through there. Yeah, there you go, baby. Hey, I want to hold on to you. Come here. Let's pull him in. It's for Godding. It's for Godding. Puts us where we need to be. That, that, end, that end on there, it was smooth. It was smooth so it wouldn't harm the sheep. They spent a lot of time making sure that it was, you know, that it would probably be a little uncomfortable because it was firm, but it was smooth. It wouldn't harm the sheep in any way. And so the Lord uses his staff, the Holy Spirit, to guide us. He uses it to gently nudge us into new places. Jesus says this, John 16, verse 13. We're almost done. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth again. He will not speak of his own, he'll speak of Jesus, but he will tell you what he has heard. Jesus only did what he heard the Father saying. He will tell you about the future. What is that talking about? That's talking about leadership. It's talking about I know where I'm going to go. I know what I'm supposed to do. We, we break God into this kind of mysterious box. Like, God's just so mysterious. It's so hard to know what God. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to follow God. It's actually really pretty simple if you're doing it right, if you're doing it relationally. And number four, so we see it for visibility, for drawing, for guiding. And number four is rescuing. A lot of times sheep get lost or sheep, a sheep falls into the, to the river and he'll use that staff to reach down in that river and grab that sheep, use it like a net. Another time a sheep will, will get into some thorn bushes, all caught up and in the world and everything that's going on, can't get out. So he'll just reach that staff in there and work it out and pull that sheep out, just rescuing that sheep. And the extreme case is, is this one right here, this, this picture we have. Sometimes a, a sheep will run off and fall into a, into a, a place that's, that's, that he can't get out of. I mean, I know that she, there's no way that sheep's getting out of there. If he tries to get out, he's just going to fall off that deep cliff. You can kind of see this is, this is like a river way down there. And he'll just stand there. All I can do is bad and bleat. 
hoping a good shepherd will find him. And reach down. I think we got another picture of this. Just reach down. The crook of that staff. And capture and rescue that sheep. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. Listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. I have identified you. You are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Jesus came to rescue us. He came to seek and save that which is lost and to draw us in and bring him to, to himself. Listen, I don't know what kind of season you're going through today. I don't know what you might be caught up in. Maybe you're lost. I don't know. But I do know that his hand is not too short to save. I know that he wants to provide comfort for you. Some of you, you feel distant from the Lord today. I think he just wants to draw you in. He's not telling you to go in the other room. He's calling you into the room. He's calling you into relationship. He's calling you into connection. 